my missions pastor part. And this is now my Bob the preacher part coming up, okay? So we're going we're gonna to be this morning in Philippians chapter 4. I do have the privilege of sharing God's word with you this morning as well. Philippians 4, we're going to be looking at verses 6 and 7. So if you want to turn there, let me give you a little bit of background. Paul wrote this book to the church in Philippi. That's why we call it the Philippians, the book of Philippians. And he wrote it while he was in jail, probably under house arrest, may actually have been chained to a guard at the time. We're not 100% certain. And he writes to them to encourage them and to teach them. And he's, he's really writing for one of the specific reasons is because they're facing opposition. So this is a group of people who has accepted the gospel message, following the teaches of, teachings of Christ, t- following the teachings of the apostles, but they are in a city that is very ungodly. In fact, they're in a city where many of the people felt like the Roman emperor, they were under Rome, that he was a god. He was the god. And that these folks shouldn't be following another god at all. So they were being persecuted for their faith. They were being ostracized in that society. And it was hard for them to live among people who were in the majority, who had the power, who didn't like them, and who didn't like what they believed. So it's in that context that Paul writes this letter. And he also addresses some problems that are happening inside the church, but he, he talks throughout the first three chapters about the, they're being persecuted and how they have to stand strong, and then we come to chapter four. In verses two and three, Paul addresses two women, actually, who hadn't been getting along, and he, he encourages them to get along, and I've always thought, what a, what a kind of a bad reason to have your name in the Bible, right, because you weren't getting along, so maybe we should start posting a list, probably not, probably not. Uh, but he tells them to get along for the sake of the gospel. And then he says to the Philippians, rejoice in everything. And then he comes to verses 6 and 7, where we're going to spend our time this morning. may be familiar to many of you. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In the midst of the problems in which the Philippians are living, Paul really, he gives them an incredible command. He says, don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything. I mean, let's be honest. Don't you hate people that tell you not to worry sometimes? I mean, sometimes it's easy for them to say, but it's a lot harder to do. And, and really, don't you think sometimes that the people that are telling you that really understood the problem, they wouldn't tell you that. In fact, they'd be worried too. It's hard sometimes to hear, not to worry. But Paul is saying to them in the midst of their circumstances, don't worry. Certainly when we look at our lives, we can find several areas that might cause us to worry. In fact, I have some bags up here which appeared during the video with the help of some friends. And I I want to use those to illustrate some of those issues, some of that stuff in our lives that can cause us to worry. Let's walk through some of these. Relationships. Relationships ever cause you to worry? You might have some difficult relationships in your life. It might be with your might be with your spouse. It might be with your children or maybe your parents. 
Maybe there's a coworker you just, you just struggle to get along with. Relationships in our lives that are difficult can make it difficult for us and can, and can cause us to worry. What about career? It may be that you have a job right now and you just don't like it. And you know it's not something you want to continue to do. You have to figure out, how do I change careers? Or maybe you don't have a job right now and you've been looking for one for a long time. That can cause us to worry. It may be, as I look out there, there's some folks quite a bit younger than me that are trying to find out for the very first time, well, what is it that God wants me to do? What career am I supposed to pursue? Don't know. Not knowing that and, and trying to figure it out, especially as we get further and maybe we're out of college or maybe we're out of high school and we're looking for a career and we don't know what it is, that can cause us to worry. It's a big one. Illness. Illness. Maybe what's causing you to worry is that you've not been feeling well and you have a doctor's appointment this week or next week. It's coming up and you're afraid of what you're going to hear. And that causes you to worry. Or it may be that you've already been to the doctor and you've already gotten that diagnosis. You know, because words like cancer and leukemia and Alzheimer's, they can cause us to worry, can't they? Illness is something that can cause us to worry. We may begin to ask ourselves, am I going to be here for my family? Am I going to have to watch somebody that I love deteriorate over time? Illness and the questions that arrive from it can certainly cause us to worry. Here's the next one. Probably no one's worried about that. Finances. I mean, finances can cause us to worry. Are we going to be able to pay our bills this month? Are we really able to afford this house that we really like? Or maybe the question is just, am I going to be able to get my car out of the shop to be able to go to work on Monday? Those kind of questions and the uncertainty of finance can certainly cause us to worry. The truth of the matter is, even if we're blessed and we've got plenty of finances, really, we are, we are wealthy by many standards, finances still cause us a lot of worry at times. You know, how, how am I supposed to be investing? I want to, am I investing the way God wants me to? Am I preparing my family for when I'm, when I'm gone? Those are still questions that we ask and can cause us to worry. Here's the next one. School. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm out of school. You could be in high school, and there's lots to worry about. Well, how are my grades? Are they good enough to get me the job that I want when I get out? Are they good enough to get me into the college that I want to go to? Or maybe you're in college, and you're wondering... Again, is my GPA good enough to get me a job in the field I want when I get out? All kinds of worry about school can cause us, all kinds of events about in school can cause us to worry. Here's another one, elections. Just had one a little bit ago here locally. A lot of people worry about elections and the result of those. What happens, what's going to happen if so-and-so wins? How's that going to impact our our county, our city, our state, and our country. Elections, they can have a lot of impact on our lives, so a lot of people worry about them. Here's what's interesting. This one kind of ties into so many of the others. Future. The future. So let's think about elections. 
what's going to happen if the Democrats win in 2016? What's going to happen if the Republicans win in 2016? What if? I mean, what if a year from now gas is $8 a gallon? What if? I mean, what, what, if, what if ISIS takes over Iraq? What's going to happen? What if the dollar crashes? What if the stock market crashes again? What, what if, I mean, we can go on. I think we can spend a couple hours on the what ifs, right? Because the, the future is always uncertain, always. And so we can always ask those what if questions and become worried about them. Now, let me, let me say something really clear. I am not saying we shouldn't care about these things. We should definitely care about them. We should be concerned about them. Absolutely. We should be concerned about elections. We should be concerned about our, our education, what school we're in, how we're doing. I'm not saying not to care about these things, not to be concerned about them. There's a difference between that and worry, and we're going to talk about that quite a bit this morning. We're citizens of this, let's see, city, county, state, country. We should care about elections. I'm not saying not to be concerned about them. If you're in school, you should care about your grades. You shouldn't just not care about them, sort of go out, have fun, not worry about it, don't do your homework, don't study, then show up for the test and, you know, pray that you do really well. That's not at all what I'm talking about. Same with, the same with elections. I mean, we should be informed we should know who the candidates are. We should be voting. We should be involved in these processes, and we should certainly care about them. But there's a big difference between caring about them and being worried about them. Huge difference. Here's the last one. Yes, it's the largest one. Children. Now, here's the thing. The, the questions about children and the worries that we can have start, really, they start out, should, should we even have children? Is that something that we should do? Should, should we continue to try to have children? I know some of you this morning, God hasn't blessed you with children, and you wonder, well, am I ever going to be able to have children? And that causes you to worry. It may be that you're asking, should we adopt there's questions like that that cause us to worry. And then those of you that might have children, well, I mean, we could probably spend a couple hours on this one as well, right? The things that we worry about with our children. Think about it. Just think about the education of your children. Okay? I don't know if it starts in preschool, but probably. Uh, we, we try to make those decisions. Where should they go to preschool? Where should they go to the kindergarten? What's the best elementary school? How are they going to adjust into junior high? How are they going to make the transition to senior high? I mean, where are they going to go to college? I need something to drink here. I mean, those are all questions that we ask. And if you think about it, if it starts in kindergarten, it goes through college, and then maybe they go to grad school. I mean, that, just that one area of their lives can cause us to ask so many questions and to worry about them. And of course, all in the process, we're wondering how they're doing while they're there. Think about, this starts young too. What about friends? Do they have friends? Do they have enough friends? Do they have the right friends? What influence are their friends having on them? What influence are they having on their friends? I think we begin asking those questions when they're six. And we keep asking them when they're 16 and when they're 26. And I've heard from people when they're 36 and when they're 46. It doesn't stop. We're concerned. And that can cause us then to worry. 
Think about the health of your children. I know that some of you have had the experience of seeing your children diagnosed with a difficult, painful disease. I cannot imagine what it's like to be a parent or a grandparent and hear that your child or your grandchild has been diagnosed with a disease that's going gonna, gonna to shorten their life. It's going to really impact the quality of their life. They're going to end up in a wheelchair. And unless God intervenes, they're not going to live very long. I can't imagine what that's like. Or to hear that your child or grandchild at one years old, two, year, two years old, has cancer, leukemia, needs chemotherapy. All of those things then can easily make us worry. So these are the types of things. These are just some examples that I came up with. They, they can make us start to carry this stuff around. We can kind of get weighed down by this stuff. Kind of get burdened. And we can start to focus on this stuff in our lives. And it can make us worry. It can lead us to worry. But in the midst of this life and in the midst of prison, Paul says to the Philippians, don't worry. Paul's future was very uncertain. He didn't know if he was going to die for his faith. We know that eventually he did. But he says to them who are being persecuted, don't worry. Why does he say that? I mean, what's wrong with a little bit of worry, really? Let me tell you what Scripture has to say about that. Why is worry wrong? First of all, I would say that worry has the tendency, it has the, at times, it makes us put our focus on the wrong thing. We focus on the wrong issues. Um, it, it changes our perspective. Our perspective gets skewed, if you will. So let me give you an example. We're talking about kids. We're talking about education. Your child may be doing really well in school, and then they get the bad grade. Now you have to fill in your own bad grade. It could be the B, could be the C, could be the D, could be the F. You know, everybody's a little different on the standard, but they're doing well, and then something bad happens. They got a B. They got a C. And we start to focus. We can't on that. And we forget, you know what? They're doing really well. They're doing really well in school. They have a bright future. But we can get so focused on one thing that, that our perspective gets skewed. We forget what's really important. That one grade, probably, here's a little newsflash, probably isn't going to affect your life a whole lot. I've had to learn that over the years. Still learning it. Okay? But it's true. So we can get our perspective a little bit off kilter. We can be so concerned with our physical well-being and our physical health and even our physical appearance that we, we can become self-absorbed and not really be concerned or and just enjoy other people. Well, that, that's not good. We can worry so much about our health and who we are that we, we lose the, the ability to enjoy other folks and just spend time with them. We can be so concerned with finance that even though, again, we may be doing well, and we're wealthy by many standards. We don't, we don't like to do simple things. We don't, we don't want to go out to, to, to dinner with friends and family because, you know, we're spending money. Have you ever been out with somebody who, like, they're just looking for the cheapest thing on the menu? And that's not a bad thing, except if it takes, if you're so focused on that that you just don't enjoy the people that you're with, you don't enjoy that time out with family or friends, then that's a problem. So that's the first thing. It can, it can put our focus really on the wrong thing. Here's the number two, which is really important. Worry can cause us to lose sight of the fact that we belong to God. We belong to God. Jesus makes clear that God is more than capable 
of taking care of us. When he says this in Matthew 6, 25 through 27, he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, he says. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? And then he says, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Obviously, the answer is no. Jesus says, God takes care of the birds. He'll take care of you. God takes care of the birds. He'll take care of you. He knows what they need. He knows what you need. He meets their needs. He'll meet your needs. That's what he's telling us. And here's the third reason why we shouldn't worry, and this may be hard for some of you to hear, but it's the truth from Scripture. Scripture says, don't worry. Worry is wrong. Worry is sin. Worry is sin. Sometimes we don't think of it that way. When we worry, it shows that we don't really trust God. It either shows that we don't think he's able to care for us, to meet our needs, or he doesn't care about us enough to do that. Neither of those things is true. When we begin to worry, here's the question to ask ourselves. Do I trust God or don't I? Do I trust God or don't I? Because worrying displays a lack of faith. It demonstrates a lack of faith in who God really is and how much he cares about us. So we're not supposed to worry, okay? Don't worry, be happy. I was, I was thinking about working it in. And this is what's interesting. We're gonna talk about that, I'm glad it came up. Because we're, we're not supposed to worry, but a lack of worry doesn't lead to happiness. It's a really important point. A lack of worry doesn't lead to happiness. It leads to joy. It leads to peace. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Peace. So Paul says, don't worry. I said, we're not supposed to worry. Worry is a sin. So when we have this stuff in our lives, Paul, when we're being persecuted, Paul, the Philippians could say, what are we supposed to do? So Paul tells them, don't worry. Instead, pray. Paul uses three words when he tells him to pray. He uses the word prayer, petition, and requests. Let me tell you quickly what those words mean. Prayer, it's, just, it's the word for coming into the presence of God. Coming into his presence, it carries the idea of acknowledging who God is. It speaks of adoration and worship and devotion. It's the idea of coming and bringing my burdens to him, laying them down. Petition. This word is, is a word that is, uh, talks about releasing our burdens, but in an emotional way. It's, a very, it's not just sort of flippantly praying, but it's with deep emotion from the soul, from the heart. And again, giving over things to the Lord. And then requests. Requests I love because it talks about being very specific and detailed about the facts. We can bring specific requests to God. Specific things. He already knows what's happening in our lives. Let's be specific. That's what that word speaks about. Not in generalities, but very specifically. So here's what Paul is saying. Paul's saying this stuff that we have in our lives, we carry it around. It burdens us. He's saying you go to the Lord in prayer and you give them over 
You give this stuff over to him. You don't continue to carry it. You don't continue to, to let it weigh you down. It is not your focus. Going to prayer focuses us on the Lord, not on our stuff. It, it, it changes our focus really from the earthly to the heavenly. And so we realize that all this stuff that has been burdening me, carry, I've been carrying it, and so my focus is on it. We need to change that focus. And through prayer, we go to the Lord and we, we hang this stuff on him. We give it to him. And he is able to carry it. He is able to support it so that we don't have to be concerned about it any longer. That's what Paul is saying in this verse when he talks about prayer. It's not just to go and, and pray. It's to go and give this stuff up, to lay those things that were burdening me onto the Lord. He not only tells us to do that, he tells us what attitude we have, we're supposed to have when we do it. He says, pray with thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving. How is that possible? These are the burdens. These are things that are weighing us down. How do we, how do we pray with thanksgiving? Let me tell you. Maybe three things we can do. First, we need to remember what God has done in the past. We need to remember what he has done for us in the past, that he has carried us along, that he, his mercies have carried us to this point, that sustained us, and they will continue to do that. He's been with you in every trial. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you, and he never will. Then he reminded us of this last week when he talked about God told the Israelites to retell the stories of what God had done in the past. Remember him talking about that? So that they could remember what he had done in the past, so that their children would know what he had done for them in the past, so that when their future was uncertain, they could walk with confidence into that future, knowing that just as God had cared for them in the past, he would care for them in the future. Remembering what God has done for us in the past enables us to pray with thankfulness. Second thing, this is just so critical. We need to remember that God is in control of all things. And we are not. I know that we believe that. But I, at least, don't always act like it. I want to be in control. I don't necessarily want to give everything over. I give lots of stuff over, but there's a few things I'd like to hold on to. I'm never in control you're never in control. God is in control of all things. He is the, think about it, he created all that we see in the heavens and the earth. He's in control. He can handle it. He really doesn't need your help, amazingly enough. Here's the third thing. We need to trust that God is sufficient for the future just like he has been in the past, just like he is in the present, he is sufficient for the future. Even though we don't know how he's going to do it, we know he's sufficient. So those are the three ways that we can pray with thankfulness. Remembering what he's done in the past, remembering that he's in control, remembering he is sufficient for the future. Even in the midst of difficult times, then, we can pray with thanksgiving. And then Paul says something amazing. He says, if you pray in this way, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. So if we are in this difficult situation, we're worrying, and we pray like this, Paul says it'll bring you peace. Peace that passes all 
understanding, he says. Amazing. Again, this peace comes from knowing that God, as we focus on him and get our eyes off of this stuff, he's almighty. He's all-powerful. He's a living God. We talked about the fact that he is, we can trust him. He is trustworthy. Not only that, he loves us. He cares for us. He calls us his friend in Scripture. He calls us his sons and his daughters. As we focus on that, this is what can happen. This stuff that's so visible in our lives, as we focus on who he is and our relationship with him, this stuff gets pushed in the background further and further away so that our focus is more and more on God and less and less on that stuff. That's what Paul's talking about. And because of that, we have peace. It's peace that Jesus talked about in John 14. It says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Paul says this peace transcends all understanding. It cannot be comprehended by the human mind. It it really, what Paul's saying is, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense. But that peace will come. This is critically important as well. Paul is, the reason it doesn't make sense is because Paul is not saying when we, we go to God, we give him those things, we pray about them in the way we talked about with thanksgiving, that when we do that, God is going to change those things. God's going to change the circumstance. God's going to intervene. And because of that, we will have peace. That's not what that verse says. That verse doesn't indicate in any way that anything's changed. In fact, what I know is when Paul was done writing this letter, he was still chained to a guard. When the Philippians read the letter, they were still being persecuted. None of that had changed. But Paul was saying, if you pray in this way, if you remember who God is and what he has done and how much he loves us and our focus is more and more on him and less and less on our stuff, that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds in spite of the fact that perhaps nothing has changed at all in the circumstances that we're praying about. It's easy to get peace when everything changes. It's just the way you want it. That's not what Paul's talking about. So Paul is writing from prison, and he's saying, be at, be at peace in spite of your circumstance. Here, here's what often happens to me, maybe never to you. I pray. And I focus on God, and I get peace. And that peace lasts for a few days, maybe a few hours, maybe several months. And then sometimes I have a habit. I'm sure this never happens to you. Taking this stuff back off. And I prayed about this, and yeah, but then something happened in my life, and I just started to get concerned. And now all of a sudden I'm walking around with this stuff again and I'm focused on it, and I can start to worry again. What Paul is saying is, go back. Anytime that happens, pray again. Pray with thanksgiving, reminding yourself who God is and how much he loves you, and that he is in control, and put these things where they belong in the hands of God and stop carrying them. That may take a while. You may have to do that two times. You may have to do it 50 times. But eventually, as we do it, that 
brings us peace because that fades in the background and our focus is on God. So Paul is writing to these folks in prison. Sorry, he's in prison. He's writing to these folks who are being persecuted. And he says, don't worry, but pray in this way and God will give you peace. So what's that mean for us? So I want to ask you, when you came in this morning, were you worrying about something? Maybe as I was lifting up these bags with these words on it, maybe you started thinking about your own life and started to worry about some things. Worry is wrong. Worry is sin. So if you're honest enough this morning to say, yeah, I'm worrying about some things in my life, I want to give you some steps to take. Very specific, very quickly. The first one, I'm going to sound strange for just a moment. I'll explain it. First thing you need to do is repent. Okay, so, but repent simply means to change your mind, to change your mind about something. And so if you're here this morning and and you're worrying, the thing that you need to change your mind about is this idea that God is able to take care of me and he does care about me enough that he will. If you're worried, really what you're saying is, I don't trust God. It's my responsibility to change this. It's not his. So we need to change our mind and realize that God is able to care for me, and he wants to care for me, and he wants to meet my needs. So that's the first thing. The second thing is to go through the process we've been talking about. You need to pray. You need to pray and say to the Lord, I can't handle this on my own. It's making me worry. Father, would you take it? Would you carry it? Would you take it out of my hands, off my back? Would you release this burden? And as we do that, we, we think about what God has done for us in the past, who he is, that he's in control of all things. We pray with thankfulness, and God then will bring us peace. And then the third thing to do is trust him. Trust that he'll do what he says he'll do in his word, that he will carry these burdens for you. And if you find yourself trusting, and then after a while something happens and you're not trusting, and you start to carry those things again, you would go back to him in prayer. That's the process that Paul is talking about this morning. So I'm going to pray for us specifically, and I want to just issue you a, I want to encourage you. If you're here this morning and you're worrying about something, you came in worrying about something, you are right now, I just want to encourage you to, as I pray, you're welcome to come forward. You can pray alone, ask God for his help in carrying the burden that you're carrying that's causing you to worry. There'll be some people here to pray with you if you want someone to pray with you, just to help you release those burdens. But what's clear is God doesn't want you to leave this place worrying about anything. That is clear from Scripture. So I want to encourage you, even as I pray, to come forward if you want to do that. All right, let's pray. Father, I do thank you for your word. Thank you for the promise that if we come and we pray in this way, that you will give us peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that doesn't make any sense from a human perspective. But peace that comes from an almighty God who loves us and is in control of all things. Thank you, God, that that's true about you. And I pray for folks that may not be able to to come forward, may not be ready to do that. Lord, that, that as they leave this place, they would go to you in prayer today or this week, and they would just trust you and cast these burdens onto you because you are designed to carry them, and we are not. 
Lord, thank you so much for your love for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your attention. I want to remind you that next week is Heidi and uh, Justin's last week with us. There's an announcement in your bulletin about that, so please don't miss that opportunity after both services to uh, thank them for their ministry and to, to wish them well. Thank you so much for being here. You're dismissed this morning.